0: In the ring with Eusebius Merkaisa. Eusebius So there's a lot going on in the world at the moment, and I thought that this podcast episode should be dedicated to making you understand one of many important news items that happened in the country this week. Yesterday, I f- saw on Karen Morn's timeline, because I know where to go when I want to catch up on what happened while I was sleeping, that the Supreme Court of Appeal of South Africa had, in fact, dismissed with cost an attempt to appeal to it, a proceeding that had happened in the lower court uh, on the part of Jacob Zuma. And basically, of course, you and I know in terms of big picture, for many, many years, the former president, Mr. Jacob Zuma, has been trying to not have his day in court on the massive corruption charges that he is facing. And there have been many trials inside the main trial and an attempt to really stave off the inevitable. And I saw on Karen Morn's timeline, a basic image of the Supreme Court of Appeal of South Africa declining to hear the latest attempt to appeal to it. And I thought many of you might think, what is being appealed? What was not successfully granted leave to? Why is it dismissed with costs? What does it all mean? And there's no better person to explain that than Karen herself. She is one of the country's most senior, both investigative journalists generally, but also, of course, a specialist legal reporter and journalist and an analyst in her own right. And her work you can find living on news24.com. Karen, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really do appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, you and I can talk about the complexities, but this is a case of Explainer Journalism 101. What happened yesterday?
1: Well, essentially, we know that Jacob Zuma, when his trial began, he pleaded not guilty, but he also uh, also entered a so-called special plea under the Criminal Procedure Act, in which he essentially sought the removal of prosecutor Billy Downer, who has been handling this case for the last 15 years, who secured the corruption conviction of Zuma's financial advisor, Shabir Sheikh, on the basis of an alleged uh, bias and lack of independence. And then subsequent to that, as the, the case developed, also alleging misconduct and criminality on the, on the part of Downer as a mechanism to say he lacks the title to prosecute, he must be removed. Zuma also has wavered somewhat because in the beginning of this case, he said, no, he, must also, he was also entitled to an acquittal. If Downer was removed, he said the entire NPA was unfit to prosecute him. He changed somewhat. He then seemed to abandon that. In the SCA, he revived that argument and said he would be entitled to an acquittal should uh, Downer be removed. He, as part of that case, also said, I have suffered all of these kind of abuses at the hands of the state, you know, the spy tapes. Um, you know, foreign intelligence has been involved in the case against me, um, you know, a number of different allegations, most of which have been canvassed by the court and by various courts and said, you know, the NPA must be, the, the, there must be oral evidence laid about mm. this as part of my special plea. Now, mm. those were the two bases um, You know, and his allegations of misconduct on the part, um, also laying wanting to lead further evidence about the criminal charges that he laid against Billy Downer for, amongst other things, providing public court documents to myself in News 24. So all of that was contained. There were four different petitions in the SEA. He also wanted to make a special entry, which would be another mechanism to further bring about an appeal. And what happened yesterday was the SEA, two judges essentially looking at this, After the state, Eusebius, for the first time in the history of this trial, decides to oppose, but not even to file a response, says, look, you have no prospects of success on appeal and there's no pertinent legal issue that's raised here that would justify us hearing this. We're just missing it outright.
0: Which essentially and the Mm. the
1: bigger picture here is that Zoom is on the eleventh of April gonna bring an application for a postponement because of these appeals. Because he says, no, 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 that the appeals must be finalized before he goes on trial. He cannot have Downer as the prosecutor. And that Postponement application has had a major aspect, um, you know, knocked out by the SCA. Mm. Um, of course, he can mount further appeals, but it's going to be very, very damaging mm. him for him in terms of justifying further delays in his prosecution.
0: I want to read out the order of the court because it's so simple and clear, and it's one gigantic sentence or two. The application for leave to appeal is dismissed with costs on the ground that there's no reasonable prospect of success in an appeal and there's no other compelling reason why an appeal should be heard. There are three components there that's important for us to understand Mm. as South Africans, that there's a dismissal with costs and not only does the court consider the stated reasons before it for the leave to appeal being sought but the court also applies its mind to ask even if the paper before us is not particularly well drawn up might there be quote-unquote other compelling reasons and of course it would have come to the determination that there is to quote no other compelling reason why an appeal should be heard karen is the following too simplistic a summary of the excellent detail you've just given that there are two broad issues in Mr. Zuma's life. He's got to be found guilty or not guilty on a broad range of corruption and corruption-related charges. And in the meantime, to avoid that day in court finally arriving... He can use all the procedural entitlements to ask niggly little questions about, is he allowed to be on the other side's team playing against my team? And yesterday isn't about the main drama. It is yet another attempt at technically staving off the main drama.
1: I think that's spot on. And I think it's, it's really fascinating because in the postponement application that the state, the paper state uh, filed by the state they they say exactly that they say this is part of stalingrad tactics um mm. that there's been this continuous pathology of litigation we know at great expense to the taxpayer 18.2 million rand that the state attorney's now been ordered to recover from zuma but there's been this mechanism that has been utilised over and over again to to challenge warrants, challenge letters of mutual legal assistance to Mauritius in relation to Evans, challenge the state when it sought a postponement, challenge the decision not to allow him to make representations to the NPA. There's been a slew of litigation that has literally clogged up the courts for years, mm. and what I find fascinating is that. You know, just not in just relation to this, but if you see the language in the Free State High Court's um, dismissal of the Edwin Sotheby, Ace Magashule, um, yeah. challenge to various aspects of the prosecution, the message from the courts is very simple like, go and raise these issues in your trial. You have the mechanism to do that. And that's Zuma's biggest problem. Mm. He can raise these complaints, he can mm. say, Billy Dowler, the state's done this. I'm going to win a cross-examine this witness, bring up this misconduct, I'm going to bring up this stuff. You can do it in a criminal trial. But as Nazir Kasim argued in the Free State matter, if you have a system that allows well-resourced accused to attack their prosecution outside of the trial, except in extremely narrow and, and pertinent circumstances, you have the very real possibility that you have a legal system that is divided a long resource and, and affluence, um, you know, lines. And it's, that is it's really not, interesting, this, Karen, because
0: that seems to me to be in a similar spirit as the former president eventually running out of options when it came to him not respecting the constitutional courts directive that he should appear before the former Zondo Commission. And eventually, one of the main analyses that was given against him when he was sentenced to jail is that the courts have got to take into account the impact of vexatious litigation on the administration of justice itself right
1: well that's exactly the point is that um you know we are all equal before the law that principle of equality before the law was at the heart of the constitutional courts order that Jacob Zuma appear before the Zondo inquiry. You have to, any person called to testify before a commission must go there. You can use, you know, your rights against self-incrimination, but you have to go. And if you defy an order of the court, you need to face contempt just like Absolutely. everyone else. Yeah. But it's this reverse thing with what f- I find fascinating in terms of Zuma's response. It's all situated in his apparent belief that he is being persecuted because he's being treated just like everyone else. Mm. Karen, um, second. I,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I do want to hear your expansive answer. I'm also mindful of the fact that you are exceptionally generous with your time and you've got another engagement pretty soon. So we've got about two or three minutes left. And I want to just have you move from explaining stuff as a legal journalist to giving me your view as an experienced legal journalist, commenting on the journalism that you have just narrated. So in that regard, I've got two questions for you. What, what is the beef with Billy Downer? Why fear Billy?
1: I think, you know, he has been at the helm of this prosecution since the beginning um, Jacob Zuma, and I mean, these attacks on Downer have continued over many years. They've been a hallmark of the litigation. At one point in the, in the um, one of the previous uh, you know cases to try and have his prosecution permanently stayed, Zuma said that Billy Downer was nostalgic for the days of apartheid. Um, you know, when there was no constitution. And of course, you know, he was forced, agreed to those allegations being struck out um, of the application and was ultimately, um, you know, ordered to pay costs. But um, in relation to Downer, you know, if, if he, he's saying essentially this man is biased. He's leaked my medical um, records to to news 24 which of course is, is something we fundamentally dispute and so does the state mm-hmm. um, he's laid criminal charges against him but essentially I think the thinking if one has to apply a cynical viewpoint to it is that the the man is literally the most adept Um, corruption, commercial crimes prosecutor in the NPA. He Mm. has retired. He's now on contract. This is his last case. And he did an excellent job in the shake case. And if I was facing him in court, (laughs) I think it would be extremely strategic for me to try and get him out of the way, Um, albeit not in the kind of ways that Jacob Zuma is trying to do right now.
0: And then the last question, Karen. I mean, of course, procedural fairness is an important feature of a just legal administration and you cannot dismiss someone's right to appeal on quote-unquote technical grounds. I get that. But one has got to ask the question, have you ever in your career, your long career, I'm not saying you're old, as a legal (coughs) journalist, encounter an innocent person so desperate to not have his day in court? No. No. No, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely incredible that this man does not want the merits of the case to be evaluated. Because presumably, if he is as innocent as he claims to be, the main drama should be over before it started.
1: Well, my concern is, is that it goes deeper than that, right? It goes deeper than a person. And I mean, it's on a human level, it's understandable. The case against Jacob Zuma is very compelling. There's never, even when the spy tapes occurred, even when the MPA elected not to prosecute him because of those spy tape recordings, which was ultimately found to be an unlawful decision on their own admission, um, the allegation was never that the state didn't have a strong case. Always had a strong case. Four point five million rand, you know, over ten years, um, essentially keeping him on this kind of corrupt retainer to act in the benefits of Shabia Sheikh to protect Thales from a potentially embar- uh, you know embarrassing or, or damaging arms deal investigation into the billions that it got as part of um, that very controversial arms deal, where you know billions of rands that could have been. It used to address South Africa's rampant social inequality was pumped into the hands of arms dealers, many of whom had actually assisted the apartheid state. But sure. that's a story for another day. But essentially, you know, there—it's not just about him doing whatever he can, using money he can, the taxpayers' money that he can, for many years to avoid his day in court. It's about the way in which he is prepared to whole-scale attack the concept of rule of law to and, mm. and do immense damage to the country to avoid that. Mm. And in the back of our minds, we all recognize what happened in July. Mm. You know, instead of just going there, instead of just stepping into that witness box and saying, I'm going to, you know, if, if I'll answer the questions, I recognize, you know, that entire 300 lives, you know, that mm. were lost as a consequence of, The violence that erupted post his arrest, of course, he's disavowed any responsibility for that. And, you know, ultimately, Mm. one cannot say that he was directly responsible. But the circumstances that arose, the circumstances Mm. that led to that place involved him very heavily. Mm. And they showed, you know, his attacks on the judiciary, his attacks on the integrity of rule of law show that is the former first citizen of the country who swore allegiance to protect the Constitution. Jacob Zuma does not have respect Absolutely. for any law that requires him to be accountable. Absolutely. And yes. I sincerely hope that, and I do believe that Judge Pitkin will refuse this postponement. I, I, there's no way in hell that he's going to allow Jacob Zuma to, to further delay the trial, given the language of his previous judgments, given mm-hmm. that the NPA is opposing, given mm-hmm. that it's, as he said, like it's in the interest of, of everyone, in the interest of justice, that this case go ahead. Yeah. But my question is, what happens then? You know, yeah. in, in the context of this person who walked out of commissions, defied the constitutional court, he hasn't done anything contemptuous as such, in the criminal trial, he has been extremely um, critical of judgments that have gone against him. 100%. But what do we see when he is finally told, listen, thanks, but you actually need to mm-hmm. face Patricia DeLille, the first state witness against you. What, I- what is going to happen then? And are we as a country prepared, uh, you know, as we were not in July, to face yeah. whatever desperate mechanisms he may resort to? You know, he he may well say he's unwell. You know, there's a a range of different options. He may utilize the criminal charges he's laid against Downer. But if he openly and contemptuously defies the court Mm. and the court needs to resort to things like arrests to get to secure his presence in court, are we as a country prepared for that? That's a very Um, good question. And is he prepared to put the country again at Mm. risk because he's trying to protect himself? Mm.
0: Karen, as always, and this has been a hallmark of your career thus far, a compelling mix of fact-based reportage and incisive analysis layered on top of it. Thanks so much for coming on my platform.
1: Thank you for having me, CBS. It's always a pleasure talking to you.
0: Cheers. (laughs)